0: Dr. Jeff O'Driscoll, MD, received his training at the University of Utah School of Medicine and completed his residency in Salt Lake City, Utah. He is board-certified in internal medicine and is a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians, with 25 years of experience as an emergency physician in a level one trauma center. In his professional experience, Dr. O'Driscoll frequently communicated with spirits who hovered between this life and the next. He saw people leave their bodies at the time of death, and he experienced eternity with them. In his fascinating memoir, Not Yet, Dr. Odrisco described his otherworldly communications that began in childhood, shortly after the farm accident that took the life of his older brother. His experiences are both interesting and instructive. For those who wish to develop their spiritual gifts, this book is a must read. In addition to Not Yet, Dr. O'Driscoll recently published six beautiful children's books and his first novel. He also paints and sculpts. He married Sheila more than 30 years ago. They have five children and three grandchildren.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, Since I started hanging around with Jeff Holtz, and I'm better known as Dr. Jeff to distinguish between the two of us, (laughs) and I'm a healer. And if that sounds like the beginning of a 12-step meeting, it's because I'm just getting accustomed to saying it. I thought some highlights from my uh, 46-year journey might help you and yours. About 20 years ago I walked into an emergency department like any other day to start my shift and I sensed the presence of a spiritual being. Uh, A vibration started in my soul and spread out to my extremities and I know that means something different to everyone but for me it heralds a messenger and they asked me for help. So. I walked into the next room and there was an elderly woman unconscious on a gurney and a team of medical providers trying to resuscitate her. I want to make it explicitly clear, I was not her doctor. I had no responsibility for her medical care. Somebody else was taking care of that. I just walked over to the edge of the gurney, rested my hand on her leg because touch breaks down so many barriers. And she told me that she wanted to leave and ask for my help. And why'd she ask me? Who am I? Right? But something came to me from some eternal place. And I told her silently my thoughts that if she thought it was the right time to go, if she felt it was okay, then I thought it was probably all right and she rose up out of her body, and stood in the air above the gurney, and the profound peace that enveloped her settled upon the commotion in the room, and no one was aware of it except me, and it took me to an eternal place for a time. And then she thanked me, and she left. Gifts are gifts, but if you want to have spiritual gifts, be willing to help. I don't know what I did, if anything, to help her that day, but I was willing. I didn't talk about my gifts for 25 years. Um, I didn't think of them as as gifts. Gifts were something for other people, for the worthy people, right? Uh, That's not the way I viewed myself. Um, When I was 16 years old, I was driving a Volkswagen Bug 60 miles an hour on a dark, Country road, uh, narrow, two friends in the car, and a voice said to me, you better slow down. And for some reason, I listened. I hit the brakes, I went around the corner, I met a pair of headlights that belonged to a Cadillac. There was all kinds of damage, but no one was hurt. I think if I hadn't listened to the voice that night, I'd be dead. And I wondered about that. Uh, some people told me that voice was divine, and maybe it was, but as I was a teenager, by the way, our previous speaker, Rachel, described her father, he was my football coach. (laughs) Um, I might have listened to him, probably not. Um, I I, I wouldn't listen to my parents. I don't think I would have listened to God. But there was something about that voice that uh, gripped me, and I listened. And I think it was my brother. My older brother, Stan, was uh, a few years older than me. I believed almost everything he said. One day when I was 10 years old, he tried to tell me about sex. And I shook my head, and I offered him a disgusted look, and I said, No way. And uh, he said, Yeah. And so... We didn't talk about sex anymore, and about a a year later uh, he died in a farm accident. He tipped the tractor over. I think it was him speaking to me that night, because I would have listened to him. Um, The voices continued through my football years, through my rodeo years, through my drinking, smoking, whatever, whatever else I had going on until I was 19 and I approached a friend that was a few years older whom I respected and trusted and uh, with the only vocabulary available to me as a young man I asked her does God ever speak to you in sentences? and she gave me this very knowing sincere look and she kind of wagged her finger a couple of times and she said don't ever doubt that. so I've I've tried to honor that. I think Stan helped me with my gifts God writes on our souls in strange ways. 25 years ago, a a person whom I call Rebecca came into my life. Her husband had just died in a car crash. She had six children, the youngest one was just a few weeks old, and uh, um, our kids were very similar in age. I immediately connected with her. I wanted to help her but I didn't know how. She had money, She had friends and family. She had the usual things that people need to deal with such a thing. But she had this horrible spiritual burden, and I wanted to help her with it, and I didn't know how. One day I was driving home from the emergency department in the middle of the night, and a voice as clear as the anchor on the evening news asked me, is Rebecca's family less important in my eyes than yours? And I thought, well, no, of course not. And the voice immediately said, then why should they be in yours? And I started to rationalize, but it's my wife and my family. And yet the flow of knowledge that came at that moment, in that instant, I understood the voice loved all people equally, and that I should too, and that I could. And I asked, can I bear some of her spiritual burden for her? And the answer was yes. And the horribleness, the sorrow, the grieving, the loneliness that was Rebecca's life settled on to mine and it stayed there for years. It was so bad one night, I was going through my usual activities at home and I became sick my stomach. I had to sit down because I thought I was going to fall down. And the foreboding pressed upon me from every side until I thought I might die. Mind you, I'm an emergency physician. And I thought, I thought literally I might die. And in that moment of extremity, the voice that spoke to me said, this is how Rebecca felt the day her husband died. It wasn't some impersonal, this is what it feels like to lose a loved one. It was profoundly personal. This is how Rebecca felt the day her husband died. It was so bad sometimes I would get up in the middle of a sleepless night and I would sit in a chair in the dark and I would weep. I was so frustrated and angry. I wanted out. It drove me to my knees. It was a selfish attempt in retrospect to renege on a promise because I'd offered to help and I hadn't asked for half an experience. Rebecca's husband hadn't come back to life. She had no way out. The voice said, not yet. And I wept. Um, I finally went to see a friend of mine. He was 35 years older than me. He was steeped in soul-stretching experience. He'd survived a foxhole on Okinawa. And he smiled at me and he leaned back in his chair and he put his feet up on his desk and he said, empathy is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, but it isn't an easy thing. Uh, And finally, I was shown the way out. I could literally see a spiritual light. I knew the path. I was given the instructions how to extricate myself from this horrible experience, and I was given permission to do so. And then the voice said, but if you want the greater blessing, endure it for now. And then I had hope because I understood that someone who loved me more than I loved myself was watching out for me and was tailoring my experience to give me what I needed. And I made a covenant that day that I would do anything I was directed to do to help another soul heal. Now I take you to this horrible dark place for a reason. Here's the reason. On the last day of March, 1997, I met this man, Jeff Olson. He was flown to my emergency department after the accident that took his leg, his wife, his 14-month-old son, and almost his life. I walked into the room. Other doctors were taking care of him. I didn't have to worry about that. But I walked into the trauma room, and standing above his motionless body, was his wife, Tamara, filling the room with glory and light. And I knew her, and I knew him, though I'd never met him. And she she communicated with me. It was three months before Jeff and I had a real conversation about what happened. It was then I learned that he'd had a near-death experience before even getting to the hospital. He'd encountered his wife, and she said, you got to go back. It's not everybody that has a friend that's been kicked out of heaven. Uh, But she told him, you have to go back and raise our son. Right? And uh, he'd had all these experiences that didn't fit with, with the belief system that he'd been given his whole life. And he was struggling to make things sense out of things. And after that first real experience together, I went home and I wrote in my journal. I have a journal, a daily journal for the last 40 years. So I can go back and read it. And I wrote in my journal that night that I was grateful for the years in the darkness because I knew how to help him. And I knew the answers to his questions. And it was worth every tear. And we were still friends. We've been friends ever since. I'd been a physician for a lot of years by that time. But in many ways, that was the day I became a healer. <coughs> now I help people find their answers. You know, we're good at what we do often. Just ask my wife. She, she came to me one time, she said, how can you be so critical and judgmental? I said, hey, it's a gift. I'm good at it. <laughs> I, 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 I do it every day. Uh, we've been married over 30 years now. I try to do th- something more productive with my time. Um, this is my front lawn where I grew up. The view from my parents' front lawn. That's my stand tree. That was ba- that was planted the day he, or the summer he died. Despite my gifts, I've struggled to love the way people deserve to be loved—unendingly, unreservedly, unconditionally. It's hard for me, I have to work at it. It's not one of my gifts, at least it wasn't. And then a few weeks ago, I was out on a run. I get a lot of downloads while I'm running. For some reason, I asked the right question that day. I said, why do I struggle so much to love? And the voice that spoke to me said, so you can understand those that struggle and help them. My whole life changed. I thought, oh, well, that makes sense. Why couldn't you have told me that 30 years ago? And <laughs> Those 40 years of frustration evaporated. It was all gone. If there was any resentment, it was was gone instantly. I thought, okay, I can do that. And then the voice said, I give you charity. It's a gift. You can't earn it. Share it. I went home a different man, and the next morning that same tutor came back to me and he said what I shared with you earlier today, every experience is to enable you to help someone else. See, I thought experiences were about personal growth, and then you could go help somebody. He said, no, 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 no. The primary reason for any experience is to enable you to help somebody else. You get the secondary benefit of personal growth. And that may not apply to anybody but me, but that's what he said to me that day. A friend told me a few days later, I was talking with a friend of mine, he said, I think you're a healer. I said, no, 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 no. I, I can help souls heal. Uh, I can help them heal their bodies. I can Now I'm starting to realize help them heal their souls. But I'm, there's only one healer. And he looked at me and he said, I disagree. You're a healer. And I think you should ask for permission to use that word. So what did I do? I, I resorted to my, my tried and true uh, practice. I went home, I changed my clothes, I went for a run. And while I was out running, I said, is it okay to call myself a healer? And He, kind of, he laughed. And he said, of course. I made you a healer. And I understood, uh, he's not diminished by my successes. He's not jealous. He begs us to be more like him. So I'm working on being a healer. That's why I'm here. That's my gift. I exist to help souls heal. I have no other purpose in life. I'm not worried about myself. I'm fine. I'm here to help others heal let me share with you something I wasn't planning on saying today. Just a few weeks ago, my brother came to me again. And he showed me the day he died. And I'd never viewed it from an adult perspective before. I thought my wound was losing my brother. And that's, about, that, that's a pretty good wound but I saw it from a different perspective this time when he took me there and showed it to me again. My deeper wound was seeing the agony of my parents the day he died. And he told me, go tell them not to be sad anymore. It's okay, I'm fine. I want them to be happy. When they think of me, I want them to think of the good times and not be sad anymore. That's been 46 years since he died. He still comes to me, and then he took me by the hand, and he led me through heaven, or some sacred place of peace and love and rest that I'm gonna call heaven, and he showed me my life, and he showed me the turning points and the defining moments where I thought that I'd had some divine intervention, and he showed me it was him that had come and made those interventions. And I understood it was God because when we learn to see people as they are, when we learn to see their divinity, we see God. And if I had time, I'd share you another experience uh, to demonstrate that. We have to learn to see it in ourselves. When we see it in ourselves, We can see everybody else that way, and then we can treat them the way they ought to be treated. Thank you for letting me share. I didn't share for 20 years, and then something said it was okay. I exist to help souls heal. We all have gifts, they're to help each other heal. Thank you.